welcome to the 100th and final episode of the Rugby Conversation podcast with me, Ilta David, and as always, Westgate Sports Agency's Stefan Thomas. Hi Steph, how are you? Hi, not bad, yourself? I'm very well, thank you. After a few weeks away travelling around uh, Europe, if you missed uh, number 99 of the show, then you wouldn't know this will be the last show of uh, the podcast due to a variety of different reasons. Um, I've enjoyed every second, I'm sure Steph has as well. But now let's just get on to the rugby. Let's get on to what people really want to hear us talk about, Steph. Um, this week, the Welsh Rugby Union announced Scarlet's head coach Wayne Pivak will be Warren Gatlin's successor come the end of the Rugby World Cup in 2019. Was he your, was he, he your first choice? Absolutely, yeah. I think um, Dave Ryan, he was the, the early front runner. I mean, it's no secret that uh, the union met uh, Dave Rennie in 2016 after the, the Chiefs thrashed Wales. They're big admirers of him, but I think Wayne Pivot just, he just came from, from nowhere, really. I don't think he would have been in consideration um, about 18 months ago, two years ago, but the work he's done at the Scarless has been nothing short of a, you know outstanding and it's not just how good a coach is, it's his rugby philosophy. Pivak is a coach that he's adaptable. Um, he's not afraid to put his hand up and say, I got this wrong, let's, let's change this, I'll do this differently. Um, he has a rugby philosophy that you know, he wants forwards to be as skillful as the backs. He gives players licence to, to play what's in front of them, which is something, let's face it, the current players or the players for the last 12 years haven't really had. Um, and also, I think... The fact that he's coaching in regional rugby, and there's always been, they may say otherwise, but you always get the sense that there's been a bit of friction, you know, between the the national coaches at times and and the regional coaches over over certain players. And I just think the fact that Wayne Pivak has coached in regional rugby and he knows the pressures the coaches are under in, 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 within the regions, it's all well and good someone having coached in a different country, but you know he knows the financial pressures they're under, etc. And um, you know, I, I I think that's important as well, and I think the type of man he is. I mean, he, he'll come into the press conference. He he's happy to chat to anyone. He'll shake anyone's hand, and he, he's he's excellent in terms of the answers he gives to the press. And I think I think it's uh, it's a very positive appointment. There'll be some um, listeners who maybe don't really care about what his approach is like with the media. But you mentioned it there, Steph, that he is uh, very willing to talk. He's quite open. He's very careful at the same time with what he does say, both in press conferences and also off the record. But just how important is it to have maybe uh, uh, someone like a Wayne Pivak in his character as the Wales head coach, someone who is um, so open and so, well, not open, but but happy to talk do you know what I mean and he's, a, he's quite a chatty individual and he treats everyone the same because at, at the end of the day if he talks like that to journalists then a lot of journalists will then publish things or won't publish things or build stories around those sort of things and in the end it's then the listeners like those who listen to the rugby conversation here and then also the general audience get get a better outcome isn't it yeah absolutely I agree with that um, and I think you know having uh, spoken to him in, in the um, unveiling on Monday and, and in, in previous press conferences and, and events. He's he's a man that's obviously been shaped by his his background in the police. He's learnt how to communicate with people. He knows you know, I spoke to Michael Collins, um interviewed Michael Collins, for example, the ex Scarlet's full back, Auckland Blues 
uh, fullback was sent, and he said one of Pivak's biggest strengths is his man management. Some players need a rocket up the backside, whereas other players just need need a coach to come up to them, tap on the back, and say well done, you know. And uh, you know, Liam Williams is also saying in an interview uh, with the BBC, I think uh, probably yesterday, that he he's a sort of guy that every player feels that they can just walk into his office, have a chat with him, and not just about rugby but about anything. And he's got really good people skills. And I also have a very good friend that's a sponsor of the Scarlets. Uh, a couple actually that are, that are sponsors and they all say that previous regimes weren't weren't as as good off the field but in terms of Wayne he he introduce himself to everyone in the room he'll uh, he's more than happy to speak to people he'll have a joke with people he'll remember your name you know he's he's just a genuine nice guy as well and I think that that I'm not saying that other coaches aren't nice guys but he he just he's just somebody that. Is very approachable and he just has all all the qualities. Really, he's a quality coach, and but also obviously at the same time he's a quality bloke away from the field, and he's got some real life experiences that that have been really beneficial to him. Really, in terms of you know getting himself to, to this top end level as a coach. So I, I I'm really struggling to find any negatives about the appointment. If I'm being honest, you touched upon one name earlier on there in Glasgow Warriors. Dave Rennie, who were the other options? Who were the other people that um, the Welsh Rugby Union were looking at? I don't, I don't know for definite, but it's no secret that Chris Boyd is one of the names on the list. Um, Hurricane Super Rugby winning coach, he's obviously opted to join Northampton Saints. Um, you know, Scott Robinson was heavily touted. He's a guy I rate highly, but as I said, you know, Wayne Pivak's not. You wouldn't. Look, you wouldn't compare Pivak to them and maybe say, oh, Pivak's a better coach than them, but you would say that he's a better option to be Wales coach than them because of his knowledge of Welsh rugby, because, you know, he knows all the players in Wales. You know, this is a man that turns up to watch under 16 rugby, for God's sakes. You know, he, he he's very, very passionate about the game. He's, he'll have a real head start on, his, on all these other candidates. So for me, I think there's probably only one option in the end, and the WRA were, you know, they, they had no choice really but to to, to appoint um, the people's choice. The WRA haven't announced who will join him within his, within his uh, backroom staff, but um, we had some comments in on Twitter at the Rugby Convo from a variety of different people. I'll just read a few out here to see who people on Twitter think or would like to see maybe fill in positions like defence coach, etc, etc. So um, Tom Reeves at the producer, Tom, says Stephen Jones and Byron Hayward plus NJ. I take it that means Neil Jenkins, Steph? NJ? Um, yeah. Then uh, uh, Garrett Jeremy, which is at Garras1907. Uh, he'd like also like to see uh, Stephen Jones uh, uh, there as well. Um, and then Tom Hoyles would like to see Brad Davis there if England don't nab him. And then would love to bring Jonathan Humphreys in for the forwards. Who do you think would will be within currently in Wayne Pivak's mind or potential candidates for those positions of what well, they could be defence coach, backs coach, attack coach, whatever titles they do? Um, oh, I think, you know... Uh... I'm going to shock you all now. I think uh, Stephen Jones should be a tack coach. Um, that's, that's 
nailed on as far as I'm concerned. I know that they're, um, you know, that they've said publicly that they're not sure if who who the backroom team will be. It's not going to get announced probably until next summer. But I just think, you know, a big part of Pivot's success of the Scarlets has been Stephen Jones. He's a very innovative coach. He's a forward thinker, and those two go really well together. And you do tend to go with what you know. So I, I'd be stunned if Jones wasn't the attack coach. Uh, in terms of the defence, I mean, obviously they've got one of the best defence coaches in the world at the moment in the shape of Sean Edwards. Um, I, I personally, he would be probably be my first choice to stay. Uh, but you know, Sean's been there for twelve years now, and you know, if I were him, I probably would be looking at. <clears throat> Uh, you know, at, at a fresh challenge uh, elsewhere, but um, if not, I think Byron Hayward's done a great job with the Scarlets. But you know, let's let's not beat around the bush now as well. This is Test rugby, right? This is elite level rugby, and 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 it's not just going to be oh he did well at Scarlets, he's well at the Ospreys. You know, Brad Davis allegedly being considered by England, so clearly you know he could be a contender. But they Pivak has a lot. You've seen in terms of his recruitment with the Scarlets. He's got a lot of contacts around the world in terms of you know the signings he's made there, and I'm sure he's got a lot of contacts in terms of the coaching uh, and another contender perhaps somebody like Paul Feeney, his assistant at Auckland, current uh, Stormer skills coach. He might be one uh, that could come into contention. Uh, and in terms of the forwards, um, you know it's difficult to, to name somebody. I mean, Jonathan Humphreys would probably be a strong candidate considering he's done the role of Scotland. But you know, I, th- I think this is going to be an international search. I I think Stephen Jones will be the attack coach, and I think they look uh, far and wide for the, uh, the, the 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 other backroom team. Considering Pivac hasn't coached international level since his days with Fiji, and not a tier one nation either. Um, how do you think he will um trans trans like translate from being a regional? club domestic coach inter- international coach because they are very different tasks aren't they it is very very different um, at the Scarlets obviously or any club you you get a lot of time to be able to to implement your strategy you know, you've got the players every day almost you know and that that's something that you get you've got time on your side but at, at test level you've got to make, make every training session count you know, it has to be full on from the off. Apart from World Cup year, where it's a, you know you get the training camps and there's virtually like a club team. Ninety uh, percent of the time, as I said, you get very few training sessions, and you've got to make those count. And um, you know, it's going to be difficult for him to um, to be able to. You know, he's not going to have as much. He can't be as patient with Wales as he's been with the Scarlets because it took a while for him to to go on the same way of length as him so you know it, it is very different and I think the regions have an important role to play as well uh, you know you see how the Irish provinces play a big part in Ireland's success and uh, you know I like to see the national coaches working closely with the regions which I think will, will certainly be the case yeah if his, if his track record if he's got any sort of affinity to the Scarlets which he, she evidently does then his relationship with the regions should be quite positive and uh, fruitful really um uh, there's like a, a comment in from chris jones on facebook uh, who says how many more new zealanders will get the wales job over the next 30 years this is a 
this is a, a talking point that's been brought up by quite a few people now where Warren Gatlin is a, is, is, a, is a Kiwi, not a Welshman, as is Wayne Pivak, not a Welshman. Is this a worrying sign for you, Steph, or do you just think this Wales international rugby would just have to get the best coaches possible? Um, I think it's international rugby, it's elite-level sport, and you have to get the best man possible. I mean, if you appointed a Welshman who was nowhere near as good as the New Zealanders, the Australians out there, and it was a disaster, then, you know, it, that's not going to reflect well on other Welsh coaches, is it? I think it is a big concern that there aren't enough Welsh coaches able to step up to the job. And I know the WIU share my views, and I know that they, uh, they're doing all they can to, to improve the coaching, the level of coaching in Wales, but that, that takes a lot of time. You know, you as I said, you can't just throw a Welshman in just because he's Welsh. That has to be the best man for the job. But I think they're going to put a lot of emphasis in getting Welsh coaches into roles at the regions, not necessarily head coaching roles, but backroom staff. And hopefully, um, in a few years, they'll, um, you know, when when Wayne leaves, that there'll be a Welshman able to step up. But as far as I'm concerned, it's a professional sport, a results-based business, and. Uh, that means you have to have the best coach, so um, nationality really shouldn't come into it. One um, effect of uh, Wayne Pivak's uh, move to the national team will be um, the Scarlets are now without uh, without a head coach. Um, but who do you think, who do you like to see take over from Wayne Pivak? Someone internal, the likes of Yon Cunningham, Brian Hayward or Stephen Jones you mentioned before, maybe someone from outside the region? Again, it's got to be the best man for the job, isn't it? Um, you know, they're going to be. It's an attractive job now. It wouldn't have been a few years back. Um, I think Rob McBride and Dwayne Peel will be the Welsh coaches interested in the role. Um, personally, I, I wouldn't go for either of them, if I'm being honest with you. Uh, I'd cast the net far and wide. I would trust in Wayne Pivak, who has proven he's an excellent uh, recruiter. And I'd. Personally, the one name for me that fits the bill is Aaron Major because I think he has experience of coaching in the Northern Hemisphere and he, he suits the Scarlet's rugby philosophy. Uh, I have no idea if this is realistic, but he's one guy who I'd, I'd look at. <coughs> and is that based upon what he did with Leicester or do you think it's more... Uh, yeah. Why, why is Major your preference? Well, Leicester didn't suit down Major as a rugby club today. I mean, they, they had a rugby culture. Their head coach was the complete opposite to their attack coach. And that's why, you know, that, that, that's why it didn't work there. But the Scarlet was suit him to a T. And they'd suit him, you know, and, and he'd suit them as well. Um, I just think he's somebody that uh, has the right sort of rugby philosophy. And it's very, that's what they've got to do. They don't need to reinvent the wheel. Whoever comes in will be inherited one of the strongest Scarlet squads in history. And basically, you know, they need somebody that's... No two coaches are exactly the same. They need somebody that shares Wayne Pivak's rugby philosophy. And um, I think he's one of them. And I, I, you know, there are a lot of other coaches as well out there, you know. Um, obviously, they, they need to um, recruit... Uh, an attack coach if Stephen goes and maybe a defence coach if Byron goes to Wales as well but 
I, I think probably the answer is going to lie in the Southern Hemisphere. Okay then. So before we do get on to looking at a few fixtures that are taking place this weekend, and um, all the Welsh regions are now backing back in pre-season. Um, so let's just have a, like an assessment of where they all are. Let's start with the with the aforementioned Scarlets there. So it'll be Wayne Pivak's last season in charge at uh, Parker Scarlets. What do you think uh, the aim is this season? Is it is it to get to a European final? Win better than last season? Yeah, look, I think they've all, all four Welsh regions are, are going to be stronger than last season. I think the Scarlets are pr- probably the strongest squad. I think what Pivot's done is not just build a very good team, but, but a very good squad. They've lost some key players in uh, Ty Byrne, Scott Williams, and John Barkley, but they've replaced some of the players who are just as good, if not better. Uh, looking forward to watching Blair Thompson play, Uzair Kasim. Um, I think Kina Fonatia and Sam Dalek-Klein are also go very well. So I think they've got a really good squad. And I think if you look at the international window squad that the Scarlets have got, um, I think that they won't be as fe- affected as much by international call-ups as they were this season. So I think in terms of, you know, obviously it's Pivax last season as well. So I think they'd be very, very strong contenders to win the Pro 14. Uh, the problem they got is obviously Leinster in the same domestic league as them, and they're in a tough European pool. But again, I think they they have the quality to get to the knockout stages, and then it's anyone's game. But very hard to predict whether they'll win silverware. But I I, I think at the very least they'll they'll compete for silverware. Um, the Cardiff Blues are the own are the other other Welsh region who'll play in the Champions Cup. They've got a new uh, man in charge at the Cardiff Farms Park in Australian. John Melville, not much is known about him, but, but how do you think the Blues will go and under Melville this season? I think it's their strongest squad since the Die Young era. <coughs> um, they obviously finished last season extremely strongly, winning the Challenge Cup. John's coming in, he's inheriting a tidy squad. They made some good signings, Samuel Manoa. Uh, I know he's 33, but I still think he's a quality signing. Has a lot of depth as well. I think Dimitri Ahib's great signing, and I, I know there's a couple more on the way. So um, I think they can certainly um, uh, retain their place in the Champions Cup. Uh, I think they've got a chance to get out of the Champions Cup pool because I think there's a good chance of strong chances up coming out of their pool. Uh, and I think they've got a, an okay chance for the playoffs. Uh, I don't see them winning silverware this season. Um, a lot depends on John Mulville, of course, but. I certainly think that they can make positive strides forward. With with the Cardiff Blues, Stefan, a lot of clubs, regions in Europe uh, announced a lot of signings and players for uh, next season a few months ago. The Cardiff Blues have only started to do that quite recently over the past couple of weeks or so. What have you read into this? I think uh, circumstances changed. Um, I think... There is a new professional rugby agreement, uh, which is going to take over from the rugby service agreement. Um, you know that, that's not been confirmed yet, but um, my understanding is uh, that there, there will be more money for the regions, and uh, I think the Blues or Cardiff Blues rather will will benefit from that. So I think that's given them a big boost financially. Um, I think they're a bit fortunate, for example, with Arhip, who would. Um, Signed for Montpellier, and then that fell through, and it fell into their lap, really. So they're a bit fortunate there, but I think it's it's just a change of circumstances, and um, 
I'm sure next season there'll be some uh, signings announced uh, a lot earlier than this one. And then uh, head over to, to a bit more west towards the Ospreys where Alan Clark will have his um, first season as well, in charge, fully in charge of them. They've signed the likes of George North, Scott Williams and Alan Davis. How do you think they'll go? Yeah, it's the most intriguing one really because obviously it's Alan Clark it's his first real season, isn't it, as head coach? Because he, he took over midway through the season, where you know things weren't quite right off the field. So this is his first chance really to, to stamp his mark on the team. Um, he's a lovely guy, obviously. You know, it, it's hard to judge how, how good he is because he's never been the the main man anywhere else before. But all the players rate him as a coach. Apparently, he's an excellent forwards coach. Um, and he's a man that, like, the culture has to be right. Culture comes first. That's the sort of man he strikes me as. I think the, the Ospreys' first-choice team is actually stronger than last year's. But I think they've also lost a lot of players. And I think their success or otherwise would depend on how many injuries they get. I don't see them competing for silver. Well, I don't see them competing for the Pro 14. I mean, it depends. Europe depends on how serious to size it up against Take It really in, in the Challenge Cup but I certainly think um, you know we learn a lot this season about Alan Clark They're not, it's hard to predict the Ospreys they're either going to have a tidy season or a, a traumatic one and um, I, I'm finding it difficult to predict which one to be honest depends on injuries I think alright that's a, that's a safe way to put it and then we'll finish off uh, at Rodney Parade with the Dragons Um Bernard Jackman's second year in charge. How do you think his revolution will go, considering how many signings um, and players he's brought in for the new season? Yeah, they, they'd be better the next uh, than last season. Um, obviously, they'll take time to gel, and I don't think it's going to be an immediate transformation. Uh, I think what happened last season had to be done. I think um, you know it was a case of going backwards to go forwards. This season squad is a lot stronger. It's the strongest they've had for a long time. I still think it's the week of the four regions, uh, but I do expect them to have solid improvements. And I think a successful season for them will be to be in contention to qualify for the Champions Cup. I think they just need to be in contention for something tangible. So you're more pragmatic about the Dragons than maybe I'm some of the pragmatic s- about them. some of their fans might hope for something better, considering the yeah, quality. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't get too um, carried away for myself. I think. Uh, I'd be happy, you know. I, I think small steps. It doesn't uh, doesn't change overnight. Okay then. Um, all right then. Just a quick mention to our partners in food food ordering app Too Good to Go. Uh, you can order some good quality food for low prices. Get on Google Play and also on the Apple uh, uh, App Store as well. And our soundtrack is provided by Cardiff based band on bandcamp.com and also on Spotify but let's finish off uh, the 100th and final episode of the Rugby Conversation by looking ahead to some of the fixtures coming ahead this week uh, the international fixture that's uh, standing out big time is Saturday at 3 o'clock in Heidelberg as Germany uh, welcomes Samoa um, this is the second leg of the Rugby World Cup playoff uh, Samoa beats Germany 66 points to 15 in Apia uh, two weeks ago, it's all it's impossible, isn't it, for Germany to beat Samoa on Saturday, and regain that sort of advantage. Who thought so? <laughs> it's not going to be easy. As I mean, up against fully professional players, 
not just that ridiculously physical players as well and um, yeah that's that's not going to happen <laughs> so it's looking likely that Samoa will join Ireland, Scotland, Japan and Russia in Pool 1 at the World Cup next year and then you'll have two places left to fill before the World Cup so uh, one is probably going to be Namibia in Africa 1 and then you'll have a um, the Repechage tournament taking place in November in France with Canada and Hong Kong are guaranteed there then it'll be Germany and then it'll be Africa 2 at the moment that would be Kenya so after, out of Canada, Hong Kong, Kenya and uh, Germany who would be your who are you tipping to be to get that number to that last spot at the World Cup? Um, I'm really not sure. Hong Kong, maybe. Hong Kong ahead of King Jones Canada. Do you think they, they're that bad? You reckon? From what I've heard, they ain't great. I mean, obviously Canada should should be getting it, but um, I really don't know. We'll go Canada then. Okay, all right then. I've heard, you know, I've seen a couple of games. They haven't been great recently, so I thought I'd uh, mix it up a little bit. It would be uh, cool to get Hong Kong in the World Cup. They've never been in it uh, before. So then, uh, yeah, we'll know then by November, in the November test window. So during that month, they'll have a round-robin tournament to see who gets place number 20 at Rugby World Cup 2019. And then in Super Rugby, Steph, um, it's the last weekend of regular fixtures. Um, and it's looking like well, the Crusaders have already got their home berth for a quarter-final. And then... Um, then it's one of how complicated the system is. It is unbelievably complicated. Um, so it looks at the moment, the Crusaders will play against the eighth place Rebels. The Waratahs were second. We will welcome the Jaguars were seventh. The Lions were third. Uh, welcome the High Highlanders and the Hurricanes will play the Chiefs. Funnily enough, the Highlanders and the Chiefs play each other on Friday uh, uh, morning at 25 minutes to nine, which you can watch on Sky Sports, which will be pretty much worth the watch but Steph um, are, you, are you backing um, the Crusaders to go back to back in Super Rugby this season I am they've been absolutely unplayable they're even a different level to their New Zealand rivals at the moment uh, I think Scott Robinson is one of the best coaches in the world and um, yeah uh, I think they'll win again anyone you think potentially could rival them in the playoffs Hurricanes because of the Barrett Bowden Barrett do you reckon or why well, that helps, but they got so many X-Factor players throughout their side. They've won it recently. It's Chris Boy's last season as well, so I think they'll, uh, they'll probably be the, the strongest contender. Okay. So, sorry, strongest challenger to the Crusaders is uh, Crone. All right, plenty of logic there then. then. But there is, um, before we do finish the rugby conversation, just a big thank you to Steph. Um, without you, it wouldn't have been, it would only have been half a podcast, so a big deal. And um, Plans the season, I guess. Westgate Sports, yeah. Keep writing, keep going to rugby and football games. Yeah, yeah. Just, just carry on uh, slogging through the season. Really, uh, just you know, be turning up to press conferences, doing articles, doing feature pieces, doing match reports. Um, you know, and you find them in the rugby paper and uh, all the national papers and some of the Irish papers as well. So keep an eye out. If you want to stay in touch with Steph, you can do so on Twitter at Stefan underscore Thomas. One who writes for various publications, as you have heard, and is one of the best connected writers out there, especially if you want to know about the next player who will be joining your favourite club, region, side, etc, etc. So give him a follow. 
Another thank you goes to everyone who's ever contributed to the podcast during the past two and a half years, from current to former players, coaches, and to fellow journalists and broadcasters. Thanks to Cardiff-based band Brigahir for the soundtrack. Listen to all of their stuff on bandcamp.com and also on Spotify. Thanks also to our partner in food ordering app Too Good To Go. Download it to your phone and get top quality food at very reasonable and low prices. And the final thank you on the rugby conversation is to you, the listener. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. Thanks for reviewing. Thanks for following and liking our social media pages. And thanks for the questions. The rugby conversation would have been a very, very dull place without you. So if we ever cross paths at a rugby game, in a pub or wherever it may be, just say hello so we keep the rugby conversation going in some way or form. That's it from me on the podcast. It's been absolutely superb. Tio Merci beaucoup.